back, and uh, obviously kids are crazy, and then uh, four services, three, three, how many services, I don't know, three services this morning, grow track, grow track, and then now, so I'm tired, man. So we're going to see what Jesus does, and it's going to be amazing, and uh, just bear with me, just say amen a lot. That's just all I need. If you've got a Bible, open up to the book of Acts, around chapter number six. You might have got notes as you walked in. Uh, they've got a whole bunch of scriptures on them. Uh, they may be up on the screen as well. Um, I want to read just a few portions of this, and I want to encourage you in your own time from here to go and read Acts six and seven, Acts chapter six and chapter seven. Just read it over in your own time, just to see what God might speak to you in it. I was reading this uh, passage earlier in the week, and God just really highlighted some cool stuff to me, and I shared it with our staff on Tuesday, and it went really, really well. And so. I thought, man, I might just bring this on Sunday night and uh, pray that it blesses you and blesses your heart and what God might share to you and speak to you in it. Uh, I pray he does. So Acts chapter 6, starting verse number 1, we're looking at a guy by the name of Stephen, and I've called this message, Made for This. Made for this. Can I tell you, church, you are made for this. You're made for it. God's made you. He's purposed you. He's called you. You're made for it. Acts chapter 6, verse number 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number... A complaint by the Hellenistics, the, the Hellenists, sorry, that's like the, the, um, the Greek-speaking uh, population. Uh, a complaint by the Hellenists rose amongst the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up our, um, so it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint in this duty." But we will devote ourselves to the prayer and ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, yo, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit and Philip and a whole bunch of other names that look like Pocahontas, Nicanor, Timon, and Pumbaa. <laughs> and they set, <clears throat> set them before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiply greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And then Stephen, my man, full of grace and power, was doing, wonder, doing great wonders and signs among the people. Now let me just go through the story here as it goes on. God is like, things are blowing up in this area. Like the, the church is exploding. People are getting saved. God is doing incredible things. People, like just people are coming to Christ in droves. And so there's this complication that arises that the, 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 the apostles are like, like trying to do everything. And so there's a complication there. So they appoint these seven people to distribute food basically. And then the story goes on there. We've heard about this guy, Stephen. What happens is people get offended. The people that were his people were offended by him because of the change and the difference in what was going on in his life. And he was living for Jesus now. And so they weren't happy about that. So they, they, they rose up complaints and all kinds of stuff. And they got false witnesses to come and bear false testimony against Stephen. In other words, give us a false account, make up stories, say a whole lot of stuff that's gonna discredit him and say things that aren't true about him. And so they bring him before a council and they charge him with all this kind of stuff, which is absolutely ludicrous. He never said any of it. There's never anything about him. It was just about trying to attack him. And they get to a point where Stephen is like, man, I can't stand this anymore. And the Bible says they look at him and his face is shining like an angel. <laughs> I, need more house. I need more light, man. <laughs> I need a bit of like glitter from the old kids' ministry. They look at him, his face shining like an angel. And then Stephen does this thing, man. He just begins off the top of his head 
to just give an Old Testament historical narrative of the Jewish people. And he begins to just go through the story, and then he's, and in, the, in the process, what he's doing is he's pointing these people towards Jesus, and in the process, pointing out all the faults and the wrongs that they've, that, are, that they've done over the years. And he points them to this place, and they just get so infuriated and frustrated by him, they take him outside, and they stone him. They throw rocks at him to kill him. In the middle of this, he looks up and he sees, he sees, I see the heavens open and I see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Father. And then they, they, they're infuriated. They close, they block their ears. And then it says this thing, it says that people laid their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul later to become Paul. Paul writes most of the New Testament Bible that you and I read. It's an amazing little interaction that takes place just in this moment. That's all we hear. It's the first introduction to this guy named Saul. And so they're throwing stones and they're enraged at him. And then, and then Stephen says these words. He says, Father, forgive them. Don't hold this sin against them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he dies. What a crazy little interaction. Like what an amazing little story. He's the first, what we call Christian martyr. He's the first Christian to die for his faith apart from Jesus. He's the first follower of Jesus to give his life for the cause of Christ. And I read that story and there's like so many amazing little nuggets of truth came out and I wanna share them with you today. There's some things I love about Stephen. Not only is he the right spelling of Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. That's how you spell Stephen, all right? It's not Stephen. It's not Stephen. It's not Stephen with a V. That's not, that's not of God. Stephen with a P-H. That's how I'm spelt. That's how he's spelt. Get on with the program, people. It's, just, it's in the Bible. You can't dispute it. That's all there is to it. But there's this amazing thing taking place here. Stephen, he's chosen by the apostles to be a distributor of food. He's a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and he's chosen to distribute food. He solves a problem. He gets involved, does all this kind of stuff. And then this story, this is what happens to his life. And I want to share some thoughts from this. Here's a few things I love about Stephen. Number one is that Stephen served and made a difference. Stephen served and he made a difference. Stephen served God with the gifts that he had. He was an apostle, but he was somebody. Listen, friends, you may not be an apostle, you may not be a bishop, you may not be a deacon, you may not have some kind of title, but I'll tell you, you are somebody. And God has got you here for a reason, and that there is a purpose to your life. And Stephen discovered that although he might not be an apostle, he still had a purpose to his life. And his purpose was to be the kind of person that took a, a problem and made it work. He got involved, he's a guy, he like had a gift of administration and help and organization. He was the guy that took over this problem that was going on where certain widows were getting neglected of food. He was like, man, I can fix that problem. And he's in there, he starts to serve with his life and he makes a difference with his life because of it. And it even says there that as he's doing what he's doing, wondrous miracles and signs and stuff are happening through him just being a part of something like giving out food. That's incredible. That's incredible. Can I tell you, friends, tonight, every single one of you is here because there is a purpose to your life. There is a gift of God on your life. You may not know it. You may not believe me. You may not even agree with me. You might think, man, I'm a nobody. I'm... No, 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 no. God doesn't make nobodies. God doesn't make mistakes. Amen, somebody. God doesn't make mistakes. 
God doesn't like, he doesn't like, oh, that one, yeah, nah, I'll just push you aside. No, 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 no. He made you for a reason. He made you for a purpose. You're the way you are and you're weird. You know it and I know it. You're weird because God made you weird. God made you with personalities. God made you with different passions. God put different gifts inside of you because he's got a unique purpose that only you can fulfill. No one else can do it. No one else can fulfill what God's called you to fulfill. And if you're here in this church and you think, man, this church is my home, then you're here because God wants you to do something here. You're here because God's got a unique place for you to find your purpose in this place. Everyone's gifted. You know what? I believe the highest level you can, the highest calling you can fulfill in your life is not to have position or title or money. The greatest thing you can do with your life is to use your life to serve somebody else. It's the greatest. Listen, until you do that, you will always be itchy. You'll always be unsettled. You'll never be fully satisfied. You'll never be fully content and fulfilled. Why do you think that billionaires with all the options in the world start charities and foundations? Because they discover once they get all that money, they go, mate, it's not it. I've got to do something else. Now they use their life to make a difference with their life. That's the ultimate expression of what it is to be a person, what it is to be a, a, a child of God, is to use what God's given you to make a difference in someone else's life. His, and here's the cool thing. His willingness to step up and be used by God to give out food freed up somebody else to run in their gift too. It's amazing. This is how God works, man. So when you step up and say, you know what, I've got a purpose. I'm going to run in that lane. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. You enable someone else to do what God's called them to do with greater freedom. So the apostles are so busy distributing food, they're neglecting what God's really called them to do. And that's to preach and to lead and to teach and to pray and to seek God. An apostle is a visionary. An apostle is someone who looks at the big picture. They're a strategist. They're someone who brings all the pieces into line and makes sure we're going the way we need to go. How can you have that kind of perspective if you're just giving out food all day? You can't. So you have to release yourself from that, give that to someone else. And when someone else can do that with the Holy Spirit and power and wisdom, in faith, when they can do that, then you can do what God's called you to do. That's to seek His face, to preach and minister the Word. So the apostles now can preach and minister the Word of God with greater power and effectiveness because Stephen did what he did. It's amazing. Every part has a place and every place has a part and every little bit is important. It's amazing. Don't, don't, don't underestimate this. Like when I go to a fancy restaurant, which is never... <laughs> I'm like, kids, kids, we're going to go to a restaurant tonight. They're like, like McDonald's? I'm like, yeah. Like, what? They're like, what's a restaurant? It's like a place where you can go sit down and eat food. They're like, oh, like Burger King. <laughs> Just like Burger King. <laughs> like, when I, when I sit down and eat a meal, uh, sorry, you guys, I'm going to shift around this way so you can see. When I sit down, I'm just going to, yeah, we go. When I sit down to eat a meal at a, like a fancy restaurant or something like that, and there's, there's like a meal laid before me, it's like all I, all I see and all I get to enjoy is the meal. Like, man, it's sat- when you get a good restaurant with a good meal, man, it satisfies you, right? I was in Christchurch. We went to this little place called Little High. They had karage chicken, Japanese fried chicken. I'll tell you what, man, the Japanese know how to do fried chicken. I thought the Koreans had that down. The Japanese... Man, you eat a beautiful meal, and all you see is the meal. But can I tell you, the meal, it wasn't just the meal that got you, like, it wasn't just the waiter that brought you the meal. There's a whole lot of pieces in play that get the meal to you. 
Like before I can enjoy the thing that really satisfies me, satisfies my hunger, that I enjoy, that really fills me up, that makes me feel whole and good, before I get that, there's a whole lot of pieces in the puzzle that get this meal to me at the, at the table. See, like I'm, gonna need, I'm gonna need the front row. Can all of, you, all of you ladies on the front row, one, two, three, four, five, six, up to Chippo, can you guys all come? Can you, like, you guys don't know you're doing this, but you're doing it in Jesus' name. Um, these, are, these are all my helpers, man. So can you guys just all come line up here? See, when it, when it comes to putting a meal on a table in a restaurant, you might have, you might have the waitress. The waitress might bring the meal to me, and, and she brings the meal to me, and it's fantastic. But I can I tell you, the waitress isn't the only part in the story. Before it got to the waitress, that we needed to have, oh, jeepers, we needed to have the chef. The chef had to make the food. So, so she's got no, unless the chef makes the food, she can't deliver the food to me, and I can't enjoy it. I can't be satisfied by the meal. But it's more than just a chef, because without the cleaner, the, the, the restaurant wouldn't be open. Like, it would get an E rating. And in school, E is good. In restaurant world, E is bad. You can't, you can't open a restaurant unless the place is clean and tidy and nice. Without her, I would never get a meal. And then going even before that, you got the manager of the restaurant. And, and she, listen, she might be little, but she know what she's up to, man. Don't mess with her. And without her, the, the staff wouldn't know when to show up and what time and what roster they were on. And then it would never all work. She's the one that makes it all work. And she's the one that opens the store up and makes sure it's available and open so they can come get it. See, I'd never get the meal if it wasn't for her as well. And even before the chef got the ingredients, there was the delivery lady. She was the courier, man. She had the delivery truck. And, and, and the food would never get to the restaurant if it wasn't for the delivery truck bringing the food. And before that, there was the farmer. And the farmer, she's the one that grew all the vegetables. And she was in the ground, man, working that ground and, and, and getting all that stuff ready. And, and the meat and the beef and the pork and all the chickens and all that kind of stuff. She's got a lot on her plate, a lot on her hands. But I would never be able to enjoy it at this end if the farmer didn't do her job. And the farmer, you know what? The farmer needs feed. Farmer needs feed for the animals. It needs a whole lot of stuff. And this is the, the feed stockist. <laughs> See, but without the feed stockist, the farmer can't feed their animals. Like, you see what I mean? Like, so, so every, can you guys all just like hold hands? That'd be awesome. See, see without all of these guys, hold, hold the plates. Yeah, so without these guys all doing their part, the meal won't get to me. I can't have this meal if they all don't do their bit. See, it's not just about the waitress getting me my food and me eating the food. It's about everything that plays its part to get the food to me. Let me tell you, God's heart for all people, you guys need to stay here, by the way. Just pretend I'm not, <laughs> pretend this is all good. Pretend this is all good. We believe it's God's heart that every single person on planet Earth would know Him. God's primary desire, primary heart, is that every single person on planet Earth would know Him, would have a relationship with Him, would be reconciled to Him, would have a, a connection and a, and a relationship with the living God. That's why God sent Jesus. That's why in the Bible He says He leaves the 99 to go after the last one. He'll go after the one all day, every day. He'll seek the one. And the one doesn't make sense until you are the one. And when you're the one, you're so thankful God left those 99 and He came after you. See, see, in order, this is the thing, in order for me to get up on a Sunday and preach a meal, 
In order for me to get up on a Sunday and preach a message to bring the gospel, in order for me to do what I do and bring the gospel message that satisfies more than just your stomach, that satisfies your very soul, the gospel of Jesus will satisfy you to the very depths and core of who you are. It will bring you the satisfaction that nothing in this world will ever give you. Forgiveness for your sin, a new life in Him, and hope for your future. But in order for me to bring this meal, I can't bring it to you. I can't do what I do. I can't bring that meal on a Sunday unless there's a whole bunch of pieces in place for me to be able to do that. See, I can't do that unless there is a worship team that gets up here and sets an atmosphere and sets a climate and builds a faith in this room. And she can't do that unless the tech person shows up and does their little bit with their knobs and dials and does all the things that no one knows what they do. It's wizardry, friends. Pray for it. But they do it and it works and it's amazing because she can't have a voice unless these guys give her one. And, and no one can get in this place unless the car park person does their job and, and they're making sure people People are parked, not just cars, but there's an experience, there's a love, there's a grace that comes when you walk in this place. And no one's going to get here unless the kids team show up and look after the rat bag children so that adults and parents can come with confidence and ability to come and be in this place. And listen, no one is going to survive church if it's not for coffee. And you've got to have a good barista who's in here making sure everyone feels loved. And then you've got the host team that's coming in here early and making sure everything's set up and everything's ready and all the chairs are laid out and all the connect cards already for people to take steps of faith and are welcoming people and encouraging people and inviting people. And you're not going to get anywhere unless there's the prayer team that is going into battle for you every single Sunday and believe in God for greater and believe in God for more. See, every single part on the chain has to be in place in order for me to present a meal. Doesn't matter what you do, it's important. Can we give our guys a big round of applause? Isn't amazing? You guys can sit down now. Can I tell you, in order for me, in order for anybody on this platform to come and preach a message and give a gospel opportunity and a salvation opportunity to anybody, it's because there's a whole lot of people behind us that make that a possibility and a reality. And that means that every single salvation in this church is your win if you're on the dream team. If you're on the dream team, every person that says yes to Jesus is your win, not mine. It's your win. We share it. It's because you do what you do. It's because you're a part of this whole thing. You know, I said it before, the loss of God's priority. And Sunday's for us, the loss of our priority because it's God's priority. And this is the thing, God's call for every single Christian is the Great Commission. That all of us would go into all the world, proclaim the gospel, and baptize people, making disciples of all nations. Or the God's priority and God's call for every person is to see lost people come to Him. That's a challenge. And that's confronting. I remember being in church a number of years ago. This preacher gets up, and he's this crazy evangelist, and he's, like, real angry. And so he gets up, and he's like, so, and like, real condemning. Like, how many of you actually led someone to Jesus this month? And we're like, oh, gosh, that's really tough. Um, and he's like, you know, how many of you ever spoken to your neighbors about Jesus? How many of you have led someone to Jesus in the last six months? How, come on, it like, it's like this kind of confronting, like, awkward challenge that he's trying to do, but it's from a really hot, like really harsh place and a real condemning place. And, and listen, that's not what we're about. Like we're not about telling you what you should be doing because we probably already know. Our job is to help you give you tools to enable you to do what God's called you to do. And I can give you right now a foolproof, 100% guaranteed method that you can do that is gonna cause you to be a part of seeing lost people get saved every single week. Do you want to know what it is? Join our dream team. 
Join our dream team. That's it. Simple. If you want to see lost people come to know Jesus, just join our dream team. I guarantee you, every single week, you'll be a part of seeing someone receive and partake of a meal, the gospel message. Every single week we preach it, and every single service someone says yes. Can I tell you this morning, I don't know what the count was, but it was probably about 25 people this morning said yes to following Jesus. Last month alone, over 100 people said yes to following Jesus through our Sunday services. If you want to fulfill the Great Commission, if you want to be a Christian that leads people to Christ, join our dream team. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Let's be a part of a church which does something incredible for Jesus. Our goal, friends, is to help you discover your purpose. That's what we're here to do. We wanna help you discover your purpose and serve in that purpose and make a difference with the life that God has given you. That's what I love about Stephen. I love that he served and he made a difference. If you haven't joined the growth track yet, you can get on week two. Four o'clock next week, just show up here, follow the flags, you'll get there and we'll help you discover the purpose God's given you and help you to run in that lane and do what God's called you to do so you can be a part of the dream team, make a difference and see lost people come to know Jesus. It's amazing. I see that really fast, but it all makes sense. Second thing I love about Steve, let's move on. I've got six points tonight, and I've got to keep moving real fast. The first one was the main one, so if you just switch off from now, that's fine. Second thing I love about Stephen was this. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. I love those statements about him. And Stephen, full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what you do for Jesus, you've got to be full of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if you are the guy who distributes food. It doesn't matter if you're the barista. It doesn't matter what you do, you've got to be full of the Holy Spirit because whatever God leads you into is more than just doing a job. It's a purpose. It's a calling. And you're going to need the power of God to do what God has called you to do. I love that, that, uh, that, that when Jesus gave instructions of what to do, like go and make disciples, He didn't just leave it at that. And He's like, cool, later have a good time. Here's what I want you to do. See ya. What he did was he said, well, I want you to do that, but before you start doing that, wait here because there's another coming just like me. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. He's going to help you do what I'm calling you to do. And I love that Jesus gave us a helper. When I was at high school, I had a job working in like a warehouse and, and there was forklifts and kind of stuff moving pallets of things around. And I was like sweeping the floors in there and this guy comes to me and goes, bro, do you know how to drive a forklift? And I was like, no. I was like 13 at the time. I was like, no, I do not know how to drive a forklift. He said, fine, get in the forklift. And he starts to like crash course, run me down, how to like drive a forklift and move this, I had to move this pallet for him, right? So I'm like, all right, man. So I'm in the thing. He gives me a crash course. You pull that lever, you do that, use the thing. You're like, just do, you'll be sweet, man. Just move that pallet over there. I'm like, I have, all right. I got instruction, but I got no help. So I had to like move this thing. I destroyed that pallet. Like, I didn't even know how to take the handbrake off, so I'm just like wheel spinning that bad boy and then just smash straight into a pallet full of, like, flour. So there's white powder all over the floor in there. The boss comes up, and he's just like, stop, stop, stop. Oh, my gosh. Oh my. He's freaking out. There's thousands of dollars of damage I've done on this. Look, like, if only I had a helper. Like, I got instruction, but I needed a helper. I needed someone sitting there going, no, 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 don't push that lever. Push the next one. Like actually lift that up, just go real slow. With, I needed someone there coaching me and helping me. Praise God that Jesus didn't just give you instruction, He gave you a helper. He gave you the Holy Spirit to do what He's called you to do. <laughs> Friends, I wanna encourage you, be full of the Holy Spirit. Cultivate a, a, a lifestyle of the Spirit in your world. 
Just pray in the Spirit, get in the Word, get in work, get worship around you wherever you go. Build a, cultivate and build a lifestyle around you that's a life, lifestyle of the Spirit of God. Be someone that's filled with the Spirit, full to overflowing, no matter what day it is, no matter where it is. Don't just rely on Sunday to fill you up. Be filled every single day. Number three, he knew the Word. That's what I love about Stephen. He knew the Word. When he encounters this moment, what he does is he quotes an old, the, the whole Old Testament and historical narrative by heart. Like he doesn't just go, hang on a second, guys. I hear what you're saying, but let me just open my Bible and let me just read some thoughts for you. No, no, he's just like, I've got this. Like I don't need it here. It's already in me. And so he just quotes the Old Testament historical narrative like just straight off the top of his head. You don't do that unless the Word is in you. Like you can't do that unless the Word is in you. And for far too many Christians, the Word is around you. The Word is around you. It's around you. It's around you on Sunday. It's around you in your home. It's around you on your devices. It's around you on your Instagram, but it's not in you. Until the Word gets in you, it's not transformative. It's just inspiring. It just makes you feel good. But when it gets in you, that's when it transforms you. That's when it gets on the inside and changes your heart and changes your mind and renews your mind and changes your spirit. Friends, I wanna encourage you, the Word is a lamp to your feet and it's a light to your path. And unless you've spent time in the Word, you'll always be pulling on something that's not there. When you come to a time of difficulty and a time of struggling, you're like, I need something. And you go look in the well and the well is dry. Friends, I wanna tell you, get fresh water every day. Make sure the well is overflowing. Make sure you got it on the inside of you. But be a person, be a Christian that doesn't just value the Word around them, but values it in them. I'd encourage every person to spend some time every single day, every morning, open this. Get some time in it. Put it in your spirit, put it in your soul, put it in your mind. Get it, get it on the inside of you. Then it will transform you. It won't just inspire you. It won't just be something like, oh, that's so nice. It won't just motivate you. It'll be something that transforms the very core of who you are. He knew the word. He knew the word. It's there for instruction, correction, changing, shaping, edifying. It's what it's there for. Don't neglect it. Don't be a Christian that doesn't know the word. Don't be, you'll be full of zeal and no wisdom. You'll be full of passion, but have no idea how to fight this battle. God's got a battle for you to fight, friends. Get the word on the inside of you. Make it an everyday priority. Number four, he pointed, I love about Stephen, he's pointed people to Jesus. He pointed people to Jesus. In his Old Testament historical narrative that he gives, his whole motivation for it is to point all the people that are going crazy at him, just to point them to Jesus. That's all he's there to do. He's like, listen, man, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything, but here's what I do know. The answer is him. I wanna tell you, friends, you don't have to have all the theological degrees. You don't have to know everything about everything. You, when people come near you, people come around you, all you are here to do is point people towards him. You don't have to save them. He will save them. You don't have to fix them. He will fix them. You don't have to have all the answers. He is the answer. So just point people to Jesus. It's simple. It's not complicated. Like, don't, don't think you've gotta have it all figured out. If you're a small group leader here today, can I tell you, all you have to do is this, point people to Jesus. Your life and Stephen's life and this narrative, he's like, hey, listen, I'm, all I'm doing is I'm leading this moment up to this point where I'm going, it's, it's all about him. It's all about him. Don't miss him. Don't miss him. Don't, don't think it's about all these other things. It's only about him. And so in your life, friends, when you're the, in the world that you live in and the Monday that you go into tomorrow, whatever you're doing, just point people towards him. In your life and your speech and your action and how you do what you do, just point people. To, I love John the Baptist. They're like, hey, are you him? Are you the Christ? And he's just like, no, nah, I'm just the point man. I'm just the one that points to him. I'm the voice of the one in the wilderness going, hey, make way, make straight the way of the Lord. You know, like, I'm just the point man. I'm just pointing people to him. It's all you are. You're a point man. You're a point woman. 
That's your job, just to point people towards him. Don't have to figure it all out. Don't have to have it all together. All you have to do is point people towards him, man. Number five, he was steadfast. That's what I love about him. He was steadfast. In the face of opposition, in the face of persecution, he was just steadfast. It's like, man, I'm here. God's changed my life, and I ain't moving. You know, when you make a decision to follow Jesus, I guarantee you life will get harder. Like if you haven't discovered that yet, then just try following Jesus for reals. Because I'm telling you, man, like your life will be blessed, your life will be good, your life will be rich, your life will be free, but it won't be easy. You follow Jesus for any length of time, I'm telling you, all the people that were in your world before that, they won't like it. Just like Stephen. They're like, he's like now following Jesus, and so all the people, all his people around him are like, I don't like this, let's make up some stories about him. It's not gonna be easy following him. Jesus said, Yo, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. He didn't say yo, he said low. <laughs> in this world, you're gonna have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He, Jesus overcome it, man. But you're gonna have a tough time. It's not gonna be always easy, but here's what I love about Stephen. In the face of trial and hardship and persecution, he was steadfast. He's immovable. He's like, you know, you can do whatever you wanna do, but I'm not backing down. God has touched my life. He's transformed my life. I've got a conviction. I've got a revelation of who he is. And so I'm not budging from where I am. Can I tell you that the moment I decided to follow Jesus, life took a crazy turn like I didn't expect and it got way more difficult. Some of you in this room sitting there going, oh man, I thought coming to Jesus was meant to make me happy and rainbows and all good. No, it's not. It's like, the opposite, man. But I tell you what, don't ever go back because it's truth, it's life, it's freedom, it's fullness. That's what he gives you. He doesn't give you like, like happiness and joy. And... He'll give you a joy that the world can't steal from you. He'll give you a joy that goes beyond circumstance and situation. He'll give you a joy that's unshakable from this world. Like he will give you a joy. Happiness will come and go, but he'll give you a joy that lasts forever. He's, he's, a, he's a rock, he's a firm foundation. But persecution is going to come, and you're going to have to determine that you aren't going to move from that. I mean, on this journey, man, in ministry, I've had, like, I've had hate mail. I've had people giving me all kinds of like, crazy opinions about myself and about like, what's going on in my life and how I'm leading church and whatever. Like, everyone's got a fantastic opinion about stuff. And when you're in leadership, everyone feels like they can tell you. It's like, all right, since you're in leadership, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think about you. Fantastic. I'm so excited by that. But you know, I've had hate mail, even just two weeks ago, I woke up on a Sunday morning getting ready to preach, and I had an email from a young man who just absolutely destroyed me, just told me all the things that were wrong with me, everything I was doing wrong, and like accused me of all kinds of stuff. It wasn't true about me, it was just a big, like, almost like a false accusation. But I tell you what, those moments come, and you wanna quit. I tell you, they do. They come, and you're like, oh, I just, you just wanna bail out, you wanna quit, can I encourage you? Don't quit. 90% of this game, growing in God, is just your willingness to keep showing up. Don't quit, man. God is doing something here. I love in this book, you know, in the start of this passage, it's like God, things of God are blowing up in their, in their place where they were, and, and so there's people getting saved. Listen, it's much like what's going on in our church right now. Like, people are getting saved left, right, and center. Things are blowing up. It's going incredible, and it takes a people that are steadfast in that to go, I'm not moving from building this church. I'm sticking it through thick and thin. I ain't moving. I ain't shifting. Nothing's gonna, no distraction, no discouragement, no opinion is gonna shift me. I'm here to do the the work of God, and I'm here to build His kingdom, so I ain't moving. Make a determination in your spirit that no matter what comes, you ain't moving. You're not shifting. You're not, you're not going to give up or shut up or quit. You're not going to move. I say to my son, 
I say to Judah, I said, Judah, you're a lion, not a mouse. Mice might back away and scamper off and squeak around, but I tell you what, a lion will stand his ground. Church, be a lion, not a mouse. He was steadfast. Don't quit. Don't quit. Number six. My last thought is this. Ben, you guys can join me. What I love about Stephen was that he was forgiving. He was forgiving. In the face of like crazy persecution, in the face of a people that literally wanted to kill him, in the face of people who made up stories to give them an excuse to kill him, in the midst of all of that, he's forgiving. It's like Stephen echoes the heart of God in that moment. In fact, he actually echoes the cross in that moment. You know, Jesus was hanging on the cross and his words to God were, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Stephen in this moment, as, he's, as rocks are literally being thrown at him, like what a horrible way to die. It's slow, it's agonizing. As this is going on, he says to God, he says, Father, don't hold this against them. Don't hold this against them. He's offering, he's extending this gracious, gracious forgiveness. One of the things that it says about Stephen earlier in the passage, it says, full of grace. Stephen, full of grace. And I wanna encourage you, friends. What I love about this, these words, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And Father, don't hold this sin against them. They don't know what they're doing. I love, what I love about that is, is what it says is this. This might, not, this might be what they are doing, but it's not who they are. See, you've got to, in this journey following Jesus, you're going to get hurt. Like if you haven't been hurt already, just be ready. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get offended. People are going to let you down. Leadership's going to let you down. The church is going to let you down. The people around you are probably going to let you down. We don't intentionally do that. It's just part of the gig because we're all human. And you have to have a, a, a willingness and a spirit that says, I forgive you because I don't think you know what you're doing. And what that says is this might be what you do, but I don't believe it's who you are. Because you can go about life believing that people are bad and so they intentionally hurt you. But I choose to go about life thinking that people are inherently good, but they're just broken. They're just sinful like me. They're just hurt. And so often people do things that hurt you, not because they're bad, but because they're broken. And they're hurting. And they're bound up in all kinds of other stuff. So when you extend grace, say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You're saying, it might be what you do, but it's not who you are. I believe better for you. I'm actually believing the best in you, not the worst. And I'm gonna extend grace. I love that Stephen does what Jesus did for you and I, where he says, you know what? That might be what you do. But I forgive you of that because I don't believe that's who you are. Because I know who you are. I made you. I call you bigger. I call you to greater. Stephen, full of grace. I, I, I'd, I'd encourage you. I'd rather, be, I'd rather be known for showing too much grace than not enough. Like I'd rather be the kind of Christian, of kind of Christ follower that is known for showing and extending too much grace to somebody than not enough grace. I'd rather someone abuse the grace I give them than me withhold it from them. Like it's their call to do what they wanna do with it. I'd rather be known for too much than not enough.
Friends, when it comes to this journey of life, be the person that forgives. Be the person that believes the best in other people. Be the person that doesn't believe people are necessarily bad, but just that they're broken. And maybe by extending some grace to somebody, you might be able to bridge that relational divide and do what Jesus called us to do, which is about reconciliation. I know that if you don't journey this, this, this thing called forgiveness, then you're always gonna find yourself coming short of, the God, of what God really has for your life. Forgiveness will rob you of joy. Forgiveness will rob you of the life God has for you. In fact, your unwillingness to forgive other people will restrict God's ability to forgive you. So if you want God's grace for you, then just extend it to somebody else as well. The amazing thing about this willingness to offer forgiveness is, like I said, it echoes the cross. It echoes the heart of God. And friends, I've shared a whole lot of stuff today and I pray something's landed, something's hit you. I pray something's stirred, something in your spirit. Maybe you're encouraged, maybe you're fired up. Maybe you wanna join the dream team or do the grow track, whatever it is. But above anything like that, my heart is really this. I don't know what brought you here tonight. I don't know what stirred you to come to church. There's a whole bunch of people in this room and I don't know what your story is, but I do know this. I do know that there is a God who made you, who loves you more than you'll ever know. He encountered my life when I was 18 years old. He stepped in and stood in front of me and gave me an opportunity to know Him. And the minute I surrendered my life to Him, everything changed. My life turned around like I never dreamed it was possible. I realized that there's a God who made me, who loves me, who's got a plan for my life. And the same is true for you. There's a God who loves you. He made you, He's got a plan for your life. You're not a mistake in an accident. And I don't know what drew you to church today, but I wanna tell you a few things. Firstly, that He does love you. Secondly, that He's got a plan for your life, but that we all mess up. We all fall short of His standard. We all sin, as Bible calls it sin, and our sin, it separates us from God. But God in His incredible, amazing grace, He sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. And when He died on that cross, He took upon Himself what you and I would do for our sin. And He extends to every one of us today, every single person, no matter what your story, no matter what you've done, He extends to you not judgment, not condemnation, He extends to you grace, forgiveness for all of your wrongs, all your guilt, all your shame, all your past, all your hurt, forgiven. He gives you a brand new life that begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. He makes you a brand new person from the inside out. Listen, you keep trying to fix you, but you can't fix you. If you could have fixed you, you would have fixed yourself by now. But when you let God get it on the inside, He begins to work on the inside and He gets you a new, makes you a new person from the inside out. He gets to, get to walk into these plans that He's got for you. He's got plans for your life, friends, for future and for hope. He wants to use you to make a difference. And then you get this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. This life is not the end of the story. This life is not the final part of the picture. There's a much bigger canvas that God is painting on and He's preparing eternity for every single one of you. And I wanna extend that invitation tonight. If you don't, don't know, who Jesus is, you don't know Him in your own life, or maybe today you're far from Him, you knew Him once, but you're far from Him today, and you wanna get real with God, you wanna get right with Him today, I wanna extend that opportunity to you as well. Can I invite everyone in this room just to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment, just out of respect for the person next to you. If you're here today and you're saying, Steve, that's me. I wanna know Him, I wanna know Jesus, I wanna know this life He has for me. Well, maybe you've known Him before and you need to get right with God. You're playing church. You Maybe you sat in church your whole life. You know the deal. You know the drill, but you don't know Him personally. 
I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me tonight. It's simply a prayer of surrender. I'm going to pray it out loud. You don't have to pray it out loud with me. You can pray it with me in your heart. But when you pray it in your heart, I want you to mean it with everything you've got. This is your prayer tonight. That's you. Just pray with me. Say these words. Say, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up. But I believe, Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn from my old life and I turn to you. I ask you now to forgive me of all of my sin. I turn from that way of life and I turn to you. I ask you to come in and be the Lord of my life. Make me brand new today. I choose from this moment to live for you in Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closed and head bowed, if you prayed that prayer tonight, can I say, I'm so proud of you. I think it's the most wonderful decision, wonderful prayer you could ever pray in your whole life. And I'd love to encourage you and invite you to do one more little thing. Take one more little step of faith. What I'm gonna do is, is I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, either for the very first time or you're coming back to God, I want you to be really brave right where you are. I want you to put your hand up nice and high. Now, I'm not doing that to embarrass you. I'm not doing that to call you out or stand you up. But what I do want to do is acknowledge your hand. I'll see your hand and you can put it straight back down. This is one little step of faith. Are you ready? Be bold, be brave. On the count of three, one, two, three. Hands up nice and high right now. You're saying, Steve, that's me. Yeah, man, God bless you. God bless you right down the back. Anyone else? Yeah, my man, I see you too, brother. Over here too, I see you. Yes, to my far left, I see you too, young man. That's awesome. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me, that's me. Yeah, down here too. I see you down the back. Awesome. Yeah, right down the back. I see you there as well. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me. Count me in. I want to know him. Amazing. Well, God, we thank you for what you've done in this house. Lord, we bless every person that said yes to following you today. God, I ask that you protect them, put your spirit on them. God, I pray that this will be a changed day in their life, Lord, that they will never be the same from this moment forward. And I pray, Lord, as a church, that we would have a heart and a spirit of rejoicing as you say that all the angels in heaven are kicking off in a party as one lost one come back to you. Lord, I pray that we would have the same heart and the same spirit as a church, that we rejoice Rejoice as lost loved ones come back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, you put your hands together for those people that said yes to Jesus. Amen. Incredible. Come on, let's thank Steve for a great word tonight.